a nationwide program that helps those with disabilities participate in music comes to Bloomington Normal. To see him on stage during the rehearsal was amazing because I knew how much it meant to him. Deb Presley and son Peyton about United Sound next on Sound Ideas. Good afternoon, I'm John Norton, plus amid declining public school enrollment, WGLT's Lindsay Jones looks for answers from McLean County's homeschooling community. I felt um, when my kids were in public school, it felt very restricted learning. And the mayor of Bloomington is in studio to talk about homelessness, fire code inspections, and Amtrak getting approval for truly high-speed service. Those stories follow a Bloomington Normal News Update, which is just ahead. This is WGLT Sound Ideas on 89.1 and WGLT.org, part of the NPR network. Support for WGLT comes from Bloomington Normal Audiology. May is Better Hearing and Speech Month, and it's a time for raising awareness about communication disorders and their solutions. The hurdles and uncertainty of the past several years have focused more attention on the importance of hearing health care. And so the month of May offers a chance to build strong foundations through better hearing. More info at bnaudiology.com. From the campus of Illinois State University in Normal, this is WGLT's news magazine, Sound Ideas. Good afternoon, I'm John Norton. Before the COVID-19 pandemic, state education officials say public school enrollment was dropping by about 1% each year. McLean County school districts have seen their enrollment numbers fluctuate as well. So where are these students going? WGLT's Lindsay Jones looks at Bloomington Normal homeschooling advocates for possible answers. If you followed the Unit 5 school board race this past election, you might remember one of the talking points from candidates who were not in favor of passing the tax referendum. From former candidate Brad Worth, it went like this. We're down 1,000 students over the last five years. It's about 8% of our student population. That statistic isn't inaccurate when you round up. Data from the Illinois State Board of Education shows enrollment in McLean County's largest school district dropped from 13,346 students in 2018 to just shy of 12,400 this year. Other, smaller school districts in the county have also seen enrollment drops. Bloomington's District 87, for instance, is down 300-some students this year compared to 2018. Education advocacy group Advance Illinois noted this trend in a report published late last year. That report, which is issued annually by the Chicago-based group, said, quote, enrollment decreased meaningfully for students in both public and private schools, end quote. Advance Illinois policy director Ann Whalen says researchers tried to analyze why this happened. Is this just general population decline? Could it be explained away? No. Is it could be kids going to private school? No. Um, the one thing we couldn't answer was homeschool. Waylon also says that among this overall enrollment drop, there was another development. What was notable here is that you had a bigger decline among white rural students. And that's not typically it's been more urban students, more students of color. So where did those students go? When you're talking about a more rural population, anecdotally, we've heard some story that more kids were being homeschooled. There's a reason Waylon says the homeschooling piece is anecdotal. In Illinois, it can't effectively be tracked. Advance Illinois senior policy associate Mercedes Wentworth-Nice, who worked on this report, would know. There are other states where you're required to report that you're homeschooling your child to the state, thereby like the state can keep a database of like where children are being homeschooled. 
Uh, but because we're not a state that requires that, like the state board of ed literally cannot collect that number. The state board of education says if a student leaves the public school system before graduating, administrators can log an exit code into records of why that student is leaving, if they know why and in advance. The state does not track what happens after that exit. So other than that, there's really no data on homeschoolers in Illinois, and much less at a county level. What does exist is data at the national level that's compiled from a survey. But that survey isn't done annually, and it hasn't been done since the pandemic. Those caveats noted, homeschooling scholar and Indiana University professor Robert Kunzman says we can somewhat confidently take away one thing. The sort of haphazard data that we do have, for Mm -hmm. instance, from particular states and things like that, suggests, as I said, that there has been an increase. So if this topic is comprised of mostly anecdotal information anyway... WGLT checked with Bloomington Normal area homeschool families for their stories and to see if there's been growth in local homeschooling. Denise Kale is a volunteer administrator for the Crossroads Area Homeschooling Association, a network of interest groups that connect families all over the Twin Cities and up to 45 miles from the Bloomington Normal area. CASA, as the group is known, formed about 20 years ago. Kale has been involved with the group since 2010 grown over time, and there have been um, different periods of growth. Naturally, one of those growth periods was during and immediately after the height of the COVID-19 pandemic, when many public schools were shut down, going remote, or enforcing mask wearing if they were in person. So we saw that in a period of a couple of years double from about 500 families to about 1,000 families who are in the group now. It's possible some of those families no longer homeschool. The group doesn't require anyone to provide updates or withdraw if they're not actively homeschooling anymore. Kale says she also theorizes the internet has enabled more families to choose homeschooling than ever before. Now with so many employers allowing employees to work virtually, the ability to uh, homeschool their kids has changed. And that's not the only change. The reasons to homeschool have actually probably changed more in the last couple of years than they had previously. If you think back to the homeschooling movement of, say, the 1990s, you might think of religious or separatist motivations. Certainly those reasons still motivate some families today, so that hasn't disappeared. But there are other factors now, too. Sarah Almarez has been homeschooling three children in Bloomington for four years. It hasn't been easy since she's a single mom with a full-time job, but she believes it was important for her children for multiple reasons. Curriculums weren't necessarily uh, aligned with always learning or maybe not necessarily accurate history and things of that sort. And I, I felt um, when my kids were in public school, it felt very restricted learning. Elmarez and her children are of color. She says her children didn't see themselves in what they were learning at school. On top of that, she says her son is neurodivergent and academically gifted. And so he wasn't necessarily fitting the mold of what a you know student should look like in a public school setting. Um, and then he wasn't really receiving the support that he needed in that. And so it was more, um, he was more in trouble than anything. Almarez says her high school age daughter appreciates the option to homeschool. She actually feels like it would be it's best for her mental health that she homeschools and that she sees a lot of her friends going through a lot of mental health issues because of things um, they can't fully deal with and things like that at school or even at home that um, they don't get a lot of support with. Jeannie Nystrom of Normal has been homeschooling three of her six children for a few years now. 
Her other older children attended public school because when they were growing up... There was no such thing as homeschool. Obviously, things have changed. Thankfully, there's the internet. I think that's helped a lot. So while it's not possible to quantitatively measure how much homeschooling is happening statewide, it is possible to know that the pandemic did lead to an apparent boost in the number of families leaving public schools. And homeschooling, especially in McLean County, will remain a pursued option. It just, it seemed to grow after 06 when I moved here. And then, and this Bloomington Normal is a huge, it's always, it's always been a big homeschool community for a while. That was WGLT's Lindsay Jones surveying the homeschooling scene here in Bloomington Normal. Stories and conversations around Bloomington Normal in McLean County. This is WGLT's news magazine, Sound Ideas. The mayor of Bloomington is hailing a federal move that authorizes high-speed rail service on the Chicago to St. Louis corridor. Amtrak trains can now run 110 miles an hour on the route through Bloomington Normal. That will reduce time between Chicago and the Twin Cities by 45 minutes and cut more than an hour from the total time from Chicago to St. Louis. In this interview with WGLT's Charlie Schlenker, Mayor Mboka Malamwe talks about homelessness, fire code inspections, and reacts to the Amtrak development. I think it, it is fantastic, you know, that was approved because I think w what it does, it, you know, may provide an opportunity for, for people to live in Bloomington. <laughs> but also go work in, in Chicago. And that's always been something on my mind. Uh, you know, I'd very much like for, for people to at least live in Bloomington if they work somewhere else. That, that'd be awesome. Is that really going to be that much of an attraction? I mean, it's going to cut an hour off the five-plus-hour drive between Chicago and St. Louis, so mm -hmm. the time savings on... on uh, Bloomington Normal to Chicago or Bloomington Normal to St. Louis is, yeah. you know, half that. Yeah. Uh, so is is that enough of a lure to make Bloomington Normal a bedroom community for Chicago or St. Louis? Yeah, I, I think it could be. You know, like I said, it all depends on where people work. You know, I guess it will depend on what people do when they, they look at everything that they have to deal with. But living in Chicago, I think, is, is pretty expensive <laughs> uh, compared to Bloomington Normal. Let's uh, move to the homelessness issue. Mm -hmm. uh, we've talked before about homeless encampments, mm -hmm. uh, and there have been a couple over the last several years. There's been little appetite or ability for nonprofits, rather, to, to create a, uh, a surge housing program mm -hmm. uh, above what's already available in town. Mm -hmm. uh, there's limited space at shelters, mm -hmm. and yet we have periodic encampment issues. Mm -hmm. Some cities are creating sanctioned encampments. Mm -hmm. Is that something Bloomington should look at? You know, that's something that I am not, I wouldn't be in favor of, you know, because I, I do think, uh, you know, if you have a sanctioned encampment, you know, it, 
you know, it might require you to be um, a little bit more involved. So there will be some some cost uh, associated with it. Um, you know, there is definitely some some security issues, uh, I would assume, uh, you know, and, and a number of different things such as, you know, you know, hygiene and 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 things like that. So I, I think uh, I would rather, you know, we we work together as a community to try to enhance whatever options uh, we we do have available you know the city uh, you know on May 1st just opened in the application period for some of the ARPA funding and some of it is you know uh, designated towards uh, nonprofit organizations for whatever needs uh, they have you know if it's related to being impacted by by COVID we also have a uh, Another uh, 1.1 million dollars allocated for uh, housing rehabilitation. So, I think we should kind of try to find ways to be creative and and, and work with those uh, various organizations. You know, to enhance our ability to to address those those issues. And with the encampments, I, I should I should add, you know, that doesn't take away the winter <laughs> issue <laughs> that will still be there. So I think it it might be best, you know to to really work with homeless individuals towards a more permanent solution as opposed to encampments that seem to be kind of temporary. This is Sound Ideas. I'm Charlie Schlenker. We're talking with Bloomington Mayor Mboka Mwilambwe. Earlier this year, Hope Church had mm-hmm. to relocate after an inspection made it difficult for them to continue in mm-hmm. their in their place without costly improvements for the property owner. Mm-hmm. And now a city fire inspection has uh, limited the ability of the Salvation Army to accept people at its shelter. There's a perception out there that the city is getting, is cracking down on this, is, is mm-hmm. becoming more aggressive in spite yeah. of city assertions that it's, that it's, really just catching up from from a lack of inspections during COVID. It's not a matter of being, you know, overly aggressive or, or more aggressive. It's just just kind of working through the the backlog of those inspections. Uh, and and I think, you know, I, I certainly understand for for people that it's, you know, when you are on the receiving end of those news, you know, it's it's not pleasant. But, you know, People have to remember uh, that ultimately it really is about safety, you know, and and ensuring uh, the safety of of the individuals who are using those buildings. So that's the same thing. And and I know that, you know, we would be uh, devastated if something were to happen because it's something that we we overlooked. So we're working with those groups to help them address those issues, but in, in, in a thoughtful manner for example when it was when it got really cold uh, and people were in the building so we just kind of work with them to make sure that okay we're not as abrupt you know as as it seems because people need shelter you know when it's really cold but ultimately things something has to be done well there is some lead time but but if the if the alterations are too costly it's mm-hmm. going to permanently reduce the capacity of the Salvation Army shelter and uh, increase the problem that we talked about before that, homeless issue. 
Yes, and you know, and that's something that we're we're also working uh, with those you know uh, groups on, and and hoping to. I mean, we're concerned about it, so we want to be able to find a a solution with the various groups that that work in in this arena, which includes you know funding. I think it's an issue of capacity, is that there were, from what I've heard, that there were too many people. Well, that's not really fixable without an addition, right? Right, exactly. So uh, definitely there is, you know, there could be opportunities. From what I understand, the staff has, you know, talked to them about, uh, you know, possibilities for funding, just like the, you know, the grants that I mentioned. That's Bloomington Mayor Mboka Malamwe. He spoke with WGLT's Charlie Schlanker. Every so often on WGLT, we bring you the story of an unsung community servant who is making Bloomington Normal a better place to be. We call it More of That, Please. As our final story on Sound Ideas today, WGLT's Lauren Warnicke visits an Illinois State University band concert where adults with disabilities are learning to play instruments side by side with college players. It's a new program called United Sound. The Illinois State University Symphonic Band wrapped up the semester last week, sharing an evening with the university band for their joint spring concert. This is Joy Revisited by Frank Kelly. And if you listen closely, you can hear the high-pitched, resonant dings of a glockenspiel, known to many as the bells. Peyton Presley and Stephen Weiner are the players here. Both are members of a new program supporting adults with disabilities who want to learn to play an instrument. Presley always wanted to be a percussionist, especially the bells. Because with bells, they so sounds great. That's Presley, who I talked to in the lobby of ISU's Center for Performing Arts just before his concert began. United Sound is a nationwide organization that aims to reduce barriers to music participation for people with disabilities. ISU student Stephanie Burns spearheaded the first collegiate United Sound chapter in Illinois. I did it in high school, and we were the first chapter ever in Illinois, so that's what inspired me to bring it over. ISU Assistant Director of Bands T.J. Mack says he had no hesitation supporting Burns in seating a new United Sound chapter within the symphonic band. It was like a home run idea of like we have a lot of amazing undergrads that want to mentor and want to teach music and give this opportunity to people who don't normally have access to it. And to find students that have that passion is a very easy just green light situation. So I was happy just to have them uh, kind of take the reins of it and run with it. Burns says the most challenging part of starting United Sound was finding mentors and new musicians. I'm in a program called uh, Redbird Readers, which is similar to United Sound, but you know, we're grouped up and we do like literacy and language um, lessons for adults with disabilities. And that's where, that's where I found Peyton. We actually got an email from Stephanie from the other program and I didn't know who she was. That's Deb Presley, Peyton's mom. When we heard about uh, the opportunity to be a part of a band and get music lessons, 
we knew that we wanted to be all in. What's your perspective on what it's been like for your family? Being a part of a band has been an important goal of Peyton's for many, many years. And we enjoy coming to the concerts um, here at ISU and um, last night to see him on stage during the rehearsal was amazing um, because I knew how much it meant to him to be able to have that opportunity. And um, I think the coolest thing is when we came out afterwards, he looked up to me and you could just tell he was overwhelmed and he was like, Mom, this is the best day. And, you know, I, I just, um, I can't. Mm-hmm. Best day, day. Best day, day of my life. Yeah. So um, being able to forge those friendships and those connections with um, his peers um, here at the university is um, a huge blessing for him. Not only does he learn from them, but I think in the larger scheme of things, they learn from the individuals with disabilities. Hi, Stephen. Hi, it's nice to meet you. Yeah. Stephen, let me make sure that I get your... Last name? Steven Weiner, W-E-I-N-E-R. And Steven, S-T-E-V-E-N? That's right. Okay. Yeah, not a fan of the P-H. So you're one of the participants in United Sound? And yes, I am. Okay. And tell me again what instrument you play? I am a percussionist. Okay, what exactly? Because Peyton is very clearly a bells player, right? What instruments in the percussion section do you gravitate toward? Yeah, so I can play everything. Um, I've been playing the drums since fifth grade, so I've been in concert band for years. I've been in marching band for years. Um, I'm on the drum line here at ISU as part of the big red marching machine. I'm on the snare line and I love it. Um, So I've got lots of experience um, and have had a blast with United Sound so far this year. What is the most special thing about United Sound that you want people to know? Building connections. Um, honestly, just meeting new people and you know, making relationships that can last for a lifetime. In addition to Presley and Weiner on bells, three additional participants learned to play saxophone, joining Sunday rehearsals this semester with a symphonic band and picking up these instruments at a breakneck pace. Jessica Benjamin, a clarinetist, jumped at the chance to be Presley and Weiner's mentor. The biggest thing that is at the forefront of my mind right now is just how proud I am of all of these musicians. As a non-percussionist, I was definitely a little bit scared going into to it at first. You know, I think I'm just kind of learning from all of this that like music truly is kind of a universal language that we we all get. United Sound's tagline is relationships that resonate, which I think is just a beautiful way to say that. Again, TJ Mack. Um, and so I think um, both the music in itself, but also the community gets built is really special. And to see those two come together is, is, uh, is awesome to be a part of. United Sound is recruiting adults with disabilities for the program's next cycle this fall. To participate, send an email to Assistant Director of Bands, TJ Mack. I'm Lauren Warnicke. And WGLT wants to hear your suggestions or heartwarming stories of good stuff happening in our community. Contact us through our website, social media pages, or by emailing us at news at WGLT.org. And that's Sound Ideas today. WGLT's news magazine is made possible in part by Bloomington Normal Audiology. This is 89.1 WGLT and WGLT.org, Bloomington Normal's public media, part of the NPR network.